0: everyone and welcome to the path 11 podcast with your hosts mike and april today we're speaking to radley valentine and we're really excited about this show but before we get into that we would like to bring you a word from our sponsors One of our sponsors for this show is Jeff Finley, and he happens to be a personal friend of ours. He was a fan of our work and invited us on to his Make or Mistaker podcast to interview us about what we had done with our films. We had a great time being interviewed by him. He's got a wonderful podcast over there, and I've also been a guest on a couple of topics in regards to relationships, and we read a couple of books together, and we decided to have a candid conversation about how we related to those books. And Jeff has actually written a book himself. It's called Wake Up, and he has a pretty interesting story. He wanted to set a goal of waking up early for a whole year. And the book Wake Up basically chronicles what this experience was like and how it changed his life. Not to mention, it also sparked a dozen of -of out-of-body experiences that he had from doing this.
1: Yeah, his podcast uh, is is one of my favorites. I have it on my download list every week. The the shows he covers are are pretty personal. And one of my favorites was actually when he had Todd Akamises on, which is a friend of our show as well. And, uh, Todd actually talked about some stuff that he didn't talk with us on our show, and I found it very fascinating. And he went to a little more detail on things, too. But I highly recommend, especially if you're a fan of this show, to check out Jeff's podcast, the Maker Mistaker podcast.
0: And if you'd like to check out his ebook, Wake Up, he has a really cool thing that he does. Uh, he used to charge a certain price for it, and now he has this new way of having people download it and basically you pay what you want and pay what you feel it is worth to you. And you can also find that over at makermistaker.com backslash path. And another sponsor of today's show is William Buhlman. Now, many of you who follow us and follow our films and our podcasts know that this is a very good uh, friend of ours and someone that we've interviewed not only on film but also through our podcast and William is one of the best selling authors of the cutting edge spiritual exploration books and audio products he's got a great website astralinfo.org where you can purchase all of the books that he has written he has three out right now and he's also doing some audio products William is also teaching at the Monroe Institute He does about seven workshops a year, and Mike, would you like to let people know what those workshops are?
1: He will be doing the OBE intensives. Uh, That looks like there's dates in late April, uh, mid-July, mid-September, and mid-October. Those are on his website, astralinfo.org, and I'm sure the Monroe Institute would also help you out if you're trying to... Uh, attend one of his workshops. He also has uh, Destination Higher Self. And that is, it uh, looks like June 9th of 2016 and mid August of 2016. He also has some CDs and HemiSync products that he has worked with in collaboration with the Monroe Institute. I haven't heard them yet, but uh, um, d- didn't you play some?
0: Yeah, actually, when we were just filming William for our third film, he gave us a copy and I've had a chance to listen to it to the Destination Higher South. And it's pretty amazing. It's awesome. And let me tell you, his workshops, they fill up really quick. I mean, if you're thinking about it, you don't have time. I mean, they are always booked within a couple of days once he announces his dates. I think that the workshop holds about 25 people, so you know don't take time to think about it. Definitely sign up if it's something that you want to do because it's really hard to actually get into one of its workshops. And also, too, if you haven't heard of any of his books yet, it was recently announced that Adventures Beyond the Body is the number one selling book on OBEs now, which is really great. And uh, his newest book is called Adventures in the Afterlife, which is a powerful spiritual awakening and mind-expanding exploration of the afterlife and he also has a, another book secret of the soul and this is a sequel to the adventures beyond the body where you can learn the higher meaning of out-of-body experiences and how to achieve it for yourself so william buhlman is a great guy out there he's got amazing information and be sure to visit his website astralinfo.org Today we have a great, exciting show with a very enthusiastic speaker, Radley Valentine, and he is the first to speak about the tarot deck. He's an internationally known speaker, author, spiritual intuitive, radio show host, and former certified public accountant. After leaving the corporate world, Radley became widely recognized as the co-author of the best-selling Angel Tarot Cards, Archangel Power Tarot Cards, Guardian Angel Tarot Cards, and The Big Book of Angel Tarot. Bradley's weekly radio shows on Hay House Radio, as well as his workshops, are filled with laughter and learning. He has the ability to express complicated concepts with a humorous and charming optimism that will surely help lead you to the realization that life is magic. So, Bradley, welcome to our show. We're so happy to have you tonight.
2: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so you have a pretty interesting story, and, um, (laughs) you know, our listeners, you're the first person that we've had on our show to really explain what tarot cards are, and angel tarot cards, and in particular, we were interested in the subject of angels, so we're really glad that we have you here to educate our audience a little bit more about what tarot cards are, Um, but first, I really would like to hear more about how you were a certified public accountant and then turned tarot card medium... (laughs) (laughs) you know, reader. So that's, that's gotta be an interesting story.
2: Yes. Yes. Well, don't forget, I'm a recovering certified public accountant. So I have that part of my life is, is over. I even have someone who does my taxes and my accounting now. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but you know, it's like, I was always the kid with something extra, I had my first psychic um, event, if you will, when I was five years old and was very fortunate to have a really awesome mom who wasn't flipped out by that at all. And, And, you know, but... I was still growing up in the South, you know, and, and it was, you know, where it would have been really awesome if being psychic in high school was totally wicked in the South, it was just wicked. So, Mm. you know, it was like, so those, that part of myself, I just sort of set aside and, and hid. But what I found was that I was missing my spirituality and, I needed an alternate kind of spirituality. Um, Southern religion was not going to work for me for so many reasons. And um, so I went looking for something alternate. And I had always loved angels. My mom loved angels. Um, But she didn't love them quite the same way I did. She just had her mug that said, have you hugged your angel today? And her little angel brooches and her angel pictures and all that kind of stuff. But mom wasn't really into talking to them. I was into talking to them. I wanted to talk to angels. And finding a teacher like that in the South where I lived at that time was almost impossible. But there was this thing called the internet, And I found a teacher in Illinois who taught about angels, but she also taught about the tarot. And so that's how those two things wound up being together for me, Um, the tarot and angels, because my very first teacher was doing both. And so, after a while of doing accounting, I just sort of decided I just can't do this anymore, and um, I started building my transition to a world that was more about spirituality.
0: Great. Now, can would you be willing to share what your experience, your first psychic experience was when you were five years old? Do you still recall it and remember?
2: Yeah, I do. Um, it's it. It was it was kind of. It was a little bit traumatic, but when I was five years old, um, I woke up in the middle of the night and I, I looked out my window and to see the, my best friend's house and it was on fire. And so I went downstairs and I woke my parents and, you know, I was five years old and it was kind of traumatic and I was having a hard time speaking. And I finally got my parents to understand what I was saying. And so they ran across the street and, and stuff. But the, the sad part of it was, was that uh, Bill died. Um, he died in the fire. Um, the part about that that made it psychic was that um, you actually could not see his house from my bedroom window it was it was impossible to see the house so I literally looked out the window and saw something that was not possible to see. And for a long time, I wouldn't even go back to my room. <laughs> and, you know, I just was not interested in going back to my room. You know, but my mom sort of helped me through that. And she was kind of like, OK, let's go talk about this. And she took me upstairs and pointed out that it wasn't possible to see what I saw through the room, but that I should always trust that. I should always trust my intuition and my gifts. Um That come to me. But I actually believe that an angel woke me. I really do. I think that was my first interaction.
0: Now, I know, just kind of going back to your work in the accounting field, um, just, you know, reading up on you a little bit more, it sounds like that you were using a lot of your intuitive skills during that period of time in your life, because you were very (laughs) successful in that field. And can you explain a little bit maybe how... Like, you know, you you mentioned it a little bit how you wanted to move, you know, into finding something different and how you began to be connected with the angels and stuff like that. But how were you kind of using it in your day-to-day work life as an accountant?
2: Well, I mean the the aspect there are many aspects of an, of accounting and one of those aspects is management it's management of people it's not all debits and credits and it's or you know taking inventory or counting dollars which are all things I did at one point but what as time went by what people came to realize was that radley was an amazing recruiter and an amazing manager of people and that's You know, what people didn't really realize was that I was using my intuitive skills to recruit and to hire. And other department heads in other disciplines like marketing or sales would come to me and go, will you please hire my people for me, please? (laughs) And... You know, but they didn't know that that's what I was doing. And also, if I had, I almost said student, you can tell how my life has changed. (laughs) If if I had an employee who um, was having difficulty, I would talk to them, but I was also using my intuitive skills to try to kind of get to, okay, what's the real story here? What's really going on? Um, What was funny was that I actually resigned from accounting twice. Because I resigned from accounting in 2001 and to try to make a career in the spiritual world, and it didn't work. Nothing happened. And so I got scared, and I went back to accounting, working for the government in accounting. It's like, oh, my God. God bless people who work for the government because you just don't know <laughs> how hard that is. And um, – but i you know i still had my spiritual side i still was kind of doing readings on the side and what was funny was that they found it you know it's like i had a staff of auditors and of course they found it <laughs> they found out you know and so suddenly i had employees coming into my office shutting the door going so i found your website where you do readings can can you can you do a reading for me <laughs> So, it became a lot more, I, I was out of the spiritual closet a lot more the, when I went back to accounting. And I only did that for two years. I couldn't do it. And when I quit the second time, that's when my spiritual career took off.
0: Okay, got you. Now, was one of your, I know that one of your mentors, I don't know if this was your first teacher, was Doreen Virtue.
2: She is. She's yeah. one of my mentors and my BFF. <laughs> and <laughs> at this point, I mean, we weren't, she, I didn't, she, we weren't like best friends when I was studying under her. She wasn't the first teacher I had. I actually found her because a friend of mine gave me a book by John Holland called born Knowing and and I read that and that got me really jazzed and so I signed up for a class with him and then someone said, "Well you should take a class with Doreen Virtue and I didn't even know who she was. And that was back in 2003 and I, I started staffing her events and doing things and and at one point I was at the International New Age Trade show and uh, here in Denver, Colorado. And Doreen was here signing books and I was doing readings for a magazine and um, Doreen came and somehow it had just – it had just somehow missed her view that I did the tarot. She didn't know. She just somehow missed that point even though everybody knew I did the tarot. She didn't know. And – She came around the corner and she saw me doing tarot cards. And she was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what? And she's like, it was you. (laughs) You know, I'm like, what do you mean it was me? (laughs) And and she's like, for years I've had this this image in my mind of doing a deck of tarot cards. And I saw the image in my mind and I didn't realize it was you. It's always been you. And she was like, we have to do tarot together. We have to. And – That was a, I mean, at first I didn't want to do it because Doreen and I were kind of like really becoming close friends. And I was sort of like, I don't want this to affect our friendship. And she actually had to talk me into it. And, and. But we had the same philosophy because tarot cards were terrifying to me. I, I I couldn't read from regular tarot cards. I couldn't stand Rider Waite with its guy that's face down in a puddle of blood with ten swords in his back. You know, I just couldn't stand that stuff. You know, and it's like the death card. I mean, it's the what? I mean, whenever you see a movie or something, the first card you see in tarot is the death card, and everybody's hyperventilating and nobody gets the message, and it doesn't mean death anyway. So why? Are we calling it death, and and Jordan and I had that same principle of let's fix this, let's fix this, let's bring tarot into the twenty first century and make it accessible, make it so that the cards mean what they really mean, and if and and make it not frightening, but let it keep the depth and breadth of life because. Tarot represents life, and life has sad moments. There's sorrow, and there's change, and there's fearful thoughts, and feeling trapped. All of those things are part of life. And so we left all of that in the tarot, in our decks. It's just we set it in a way that it didn't scare the bejeezies out of people.
0: Right, yeah. And actually, one of the first uh, decks of cards that I ever bought for myself was... a. Uh... Doring Virtue Angel card deck. So Which one? And um it was gosh, I don't even have the the box anymore. It was one of the first ones. It's got <laughs> yellow it's uh the yellow cards and the angel Dealing he- he- with, the yep. with the he- angels. Yeah. with the angels. Yep, yep, yes. yep that's mm-hmm. the one. That was and, her first uh,
2: box. That was her first deck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, she was one of the first books that I ever read about metaphysics and, and angel. So it was, it, that's pretty cool just to have that connection. She was a big influence in, in my work and, and, you know, still is. So that's really, that's nice. Um, now, and I would agree with you because sometimes when people hear the word tarot or, you know, if I introduce cards to some of my clients, they might be like, well, what is, what is this? Is this like a tarot deck or is it differently? And, and I think people can get freaked out about it and, um, and i think the angel cards they're just they're gentle they're dice like you said it's not this these people with these swords and the death card and that freaks people out if that were to come up in a reading so well it would freak I, me
2: out right <laughs>
0: <laughs> no i
2: don't want to see that <laughs>
0: Would you like to give a little bit of history of what the history of tarot is uh, for people who maybe have never had a tarot card reading or an angel card reading and they've kind of been skeptical about it, they've heard about it, but they have no idea really what is the process, what does it mean to give a tarot card reading and the history of tarot?
2: Sure. Absolutely. The history of tarot is not what most people think. Um, um, A Frenchman in the 18th century went around telling everybody that it was Egyptian and that he could read the hieroglyphics and it was based on the Book of Toth and blah, blah, blah. And people just ate it up. They loved that story. But not true. (laughs) (laughs) Tarot was actually created in Italy and and it was created in Italy about 600 years ago and it was a parlor game it was like bridge and it was it's it's basically constructed like a deck of playing cards with 22 trump cards that lay over top of it and it was a game and people were using, some people were using um, regular playing cards for divinatory purposes, but even back then, but it wasn't really a big deal. But somewhere in around the 18th and 19th century, certain people in the spiritual community rediscovered tarot. And they were like, oh, wow, there's a lot here. There's more here than meets the eye. And they started attributing astrological um attributions to each card, and numerology, and the Kabbalah, and they started tying tarot into all of these things. But this particular group of people were very secretive, and they didn't want anyone to know, and they wanted it to all be very shrouded in the unknown. And that's when tarot started to get scary to people. And somewhere around 1904, along comes Arthur Edward Waite. And And he worked with uh, a woman named... Um, Smith. Her last name was Smith, and the, together they put together the Tarot cards that we see today that, that are called Rider Waite, and they put tons of symbolism because they were both um, members of that same community that decided to bring Tarot into this kind of secret stuff. And that's when that's when I think Tarot really started to get kind of spooky and scary to people. The movies started to show up into in, into our community. And whenever you would see like you'd see gypsies in Frankenstein movies and they're playing with tarot cards and all this stuff just started to kind of build and create this persona around the cards that just didn't help anybody. And it was sort of a power grab in a way for people to be able to read tarot cards, but to say, you can't do this and you can't know the secrets. And that's part of the, one of the things that Doreen and I wanted to undo. We wanted to get rid of all of that, all of the secrecy, just get rid of it. And tarot cards are really only different from any oracle deck of angel cards in basically one aspect. And that is tarot cards have a set meaning. There's 78 cards it's a set story, and you can't really deviate from that, and it still be tarot. You can devi- deviate from it if you want to, but it's no longer tarot. Uh, Angel Oracle cards can be 44 cards, 45 cards, 15 cards, 65 cards, doesn't matter. Whatever you want, it can be about whatever you want. The cards can mean whatever you want. It's totally up to the creator. But the process is the same. The process is the same. And if someone were to do a tarot reading, hopefully an angel tarot reading, (laughs) so it won't be scary, basically what they're doing is they're tuning into the divine. Tarot and angel oracle cards are a language of the divine. It's just a way of talking to heaven. Same as any other methodology or of of tapping into your intuition. It's just a way of speaking to heaven.
0: Now, How would you explain to people that might say, well, maybe it was just by chance that I chose these certain cards, you know, cause like say there might be like 64 cards in a deck and you're giving a person a reading and maybe the person might be a little skeptical and say, well, you know, what are, what were the chances of that? And yeah, it relates. But if I went ahead and picked a whole nother set of cards that might relate too. can you explain maybe the mysticism or the magical component that really is happening between the person that's giving the other person a card reading and how that divine energy can come in to help. Facilitate, and that maybe it's not so much by chance.
2: Sure, of course. I mean, that particular person that you're speaking to probably doesn't believe in talking to angels. Probably doesn't believe in any of the spiritual as- attributes, and so they might be difficult. It might be difficult to explain to them. But you have to keep in mind a couple of things. I think one of the reasons why I think tarot works so well and is so uh, detailed and so accurate. Is because pe- millions and millions and millions of people have been reading these cards for 600 years. And if you think about it from the analogy of someone walking through a forest, when people walk through a forest and they walk the same path over and over and over, what do you suddenly have? You suddenly have a well worn path, right? And Tarot is sort of like that on a spiritual sense. Millions of people have walked that path and they have made it a well worn path to the divine, to the universe, to God, to heaven. I don't care which word you pick because I think they're all the same, but it's created this pathway. And when we do a reading, one of the things that we're doing when we do use cards is. Our, we are getting our conscious out of the way. We're getting our egos out of the way. We're doing a connection with the divine, same as if I sat and did a meditation, same if, as if I just wanted to speak to angels directly, same as if I wanted to do an astrological reading or any kind of reading that you do for somebody. What you're doing is you're getting yourself out of the way. You're opening yourself up to source in order to be able to communicate. And those cards that that person said, if you – I mean, and you're asking the accountant, right? <laughs> you're asking the accountant. So the the odds of pulling those, let's say a three-card reading, which is very common, the odds of having pulled those three particular cards in that particular order out of a deck of 78 cards, that's pretty astronomically high um, right. odds. So. You can use that kind of thing to speak to a skeptic and go, yeah, but let's do a little math. You, do you believe in math? Okay, let's do the math on this and see what's, <laughs> a, what's the likelihood that this is going to happen. Um, and especially once someone opens themselves up to getting readings multiple times, they'll pretty quickly see, wow, something real is happening here. Great. Thank you. Now that
1: that's a pretty good explanation of tarot, because I, I have virtually no background in, in tarot cards, so that that actually helped me a lot. But I'm curious as to know is how are you blending that with astrology?
2: Well, um, what I'm when I was referring to astrology, each um, the the organization that kind of shrouded tarot in um, secrecy was the Golden Dawn. And what they did was they went through each card and they gave it an astrological attribution. So, for example, there's a card in Tarot called the wheel, and that card is ruled by Jupiter. So, for people who are really into astrology, you can then bring into the reading, oh, here's the wheel, and it's about change, but it's also ruled by Jupiter, and that is a very expansive planet. It's a planet that's very expansive, and and that can indicate to you that something big is coming your way. So, for people who are really hardcore, deep into tarot, they may know all of those astrological attributions and then they can bring in astrology as well as the Kabbalah. And don't ask me about the Kabbalah because I don't know anything about the Kabbalah. But there are actually uh, Kabbalah attributions to the cards as well. Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm a I'm a little familiar with the Kabbalah and the Tree of Life. One of my uh-huh. teachers yes. and you know mentors taught me a few healings within the Tree of Life to do, but it's a very complicated. It's very like intellectual, very in depth um, study.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's probably the next thing I need to learn about tarot, but I know it's really complicated, and I never get off the road, and I never stop writing, and so I just I just kind of look at at it and go, oh, okay, not today.
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah, and it looks like you know with your traveling schedule and the workshops that you're doing, you have quite a few workshops that you are offering the world. and uh, one of the ones that I'm really interested in hearing a little more about is the archangel realm. Um, can you educate people on who are the archangels? how are they different than regular angels, guardian angels? What's their purpose?
2: Sure. Absolutely. That sounds fun. Let's talk about that. Okay. So, um, everybody has at least two guardian angels, and they are specifically assigned to you upon birth. But then there's also these other realms of angels, including the archangels. And there are many, many archangels, but there are 15 that I primarily work with. That's because my friend, Dorian Virtue and mentor, taught. That's what she teaches, is 15 primary um, um, archangels. But there are others, there are more. And these are powerful beings that are omnipresent. And what omnipresent means is that you can call on Archangel Michael, for example. And one of the things that Archangel Michael is for is making us feel safe. And so, If you are not feeling safe for one reason or another, you can call on Archangel Michael. Now, some people might be worried that if they call upon Archangel Michael, then um, Archangel Michael can't... Pull Timmy out of the well, (laughs) okay? And and they don't want to do that. But the thing is, is that archangels are omnipresent. So Archangel Michael can be with you, soothing you and making you feel safe, and also simultaneously be pulling Timmy out of the well so that Timmy is safe. And each one of these 15 archangels has a primary um, focus. Now, any archangel will happily come to you and help you on any particular thing it just it just works better if you call upon archangels based on their primary focus so Um, Archangel Michael is safety. I work very closely with Archangel Uriel, who is all about epiphany and teaching and spiritual enlightenment, but also about emotional healing. I work very closely with Archangel Gabriel because she's about healing and about speaking and about writing. And she's also, I call her the nudging angel. So she nudges you to get things done. So um, and then there's Archangel Raphael, who's known for healing, and Archangel Jophiel, who's known for bringing beauty and happiness into your life, and Archangel Haniel, who's all about developing your spirituality. And you can learn about those archangels and then call them into your life. Then we use those archangels in um, two of our tarot decks, angel tarot cards and archangel power tarot cards. And those archangels are embedded into the energy of the tarot cards uh, for those decks.
0: Okay, great. And you know, I'm, I've always been curious, because you can go into a bookstore, and there are tons of cards that you can yeah, buy, decks of mm-hmm, cards that you can is. buy. Now, when you and Doreen are working on a deck together, how does a deck come alive? Uh, is, there, <laughs> you know, is there meditation that you're doing? Are you tapping in? Or are you asking for this guidance, and then all of a sudden you know, you know what this card will mean, what angel this card will be? I would love to know just the whole process behind creating a deck?
2: Uh, oh, that's a lovely question. No one's ever asked me that before. So I'm hap- I'll happily tell you that. But before I say that, I want to just make an aside and say, isn't it wonderful? Isn't it just glorious and divine that you can walk into a bookstore and there's like 85 different kinds of cards. I mean, <laughs> I I just think that is amazingly happy and joyful because I remember when I was first getting into this when that was not true. And 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 it was really near impossible for me to find a deck that I could feel safe with because they were all you know just you know, people were just copying the Pamela Coleman Smith and Arthur Edward Waite deck. They were just copying it. And so it was just all this blood and gore and scary. And I, I it took me forever to find a deck that I w- would feel safe with. But now there's just so much, so much diversity. There's something for everybody. And that just broadens the ability for people to find the language of the divine that suits them. And I just think that's awesome. But anyway, so the process, um, the process that Doreen and I go through is we basically sit down and, and discuss. Okay, what kind of card deck are we going to create now? And Doreen is the angel person, even though I'm an angel person too, but she's kind of in charge of the angel side of it. I'm in charge of the tarot side of it because I'm a tarot expert. And we get together and we just we meditate, we think, we pray, and we go, What, what is it we're going to create next? And so for the first deck, it was angel tarot cards. And so we decided okay, it's going to be angels and there's not going to be any scary words. And we're going to, we're going to, but the, the meanings of the cards is going to stay the same. And it's going to, oh, and you know, before angel tarot cards, to my knowledge, there had never been a tarot deck with words on it. I am not, a, I'm not familiar with any tarot deck that existed that had explanations at the bottom of what the cards meant. Hmm. But that came from me telling Doreen that when I was learning how to read Tarot in my 20s, I took a black Sharpie and wrote on a Tarot deck what the, what the card meant, and that's how I learned. And she was like, oh, my God, we have to do that for people. And so um, I would sit down, and I wanted to keep Tarot intact. I wanted the meanings to be intact. I wanted a lot of the symbolism to stay intact. And so, but I, I worked with it. So if I saw some symbolism that was in a card that I thought was frightening or scary, that I didn't think that people would like, like for example, um, there's a card in traditional tarot that's called the tower. And if you don't know what that looks like, it looks it's a tower that's being struck by lightning while three people fall to their death. Pretty, huh? So <laughs> we didn't like that. And so we changed the name to Life Experience, not because there was anything wrong with the word the tower, but because the tower was kind of an infamous card, and we wanted to get rid of that. We changed it to Life Experience. And there's a tower, and yes, on to the left side, it's the skies are looking pretty stormy, but over to the right, you can see that the sun is starting to come out. And and flying in front of Archangel Shamuel is um, – um, A bird, And that bird is a sparrow, and that sparrow has the symbolism of meaning something big that's about to happen in your life. And so see what we did? We took out the scary symbolism, but we put in unscary symbolism that meant the same thing. And so the process was I would work with an artist. They give me an artist, and I would rework the card, send it to the artist. The artist would create the card. And for Angel Tarot cards, that uh, artist was um, um, an amazing, amazing artist named Steve A. Roberts. And so he would create the card. It would come back to me. I would look at it and what kind of changes do we need to make? And when we're happy with it, we would send it to Doreen. And Doreen would give final approval or she would almost never, but sometimes she would go, this is still scary. And, you know, and it'd be like, okay, well, explain to the two guys in the room, Bradley and and Steve, why it's scary, because we don't think it's scary. (laughs) And she's like, this is why it's scary. You would have never you've never been a mother. That kid is way too close to the edge of the of the cliff. And it's like, oh, okay, got it. No problem. And we would fix it. And um, since then, we've done four Tarot decks. Um, We've also done an Oracle deck, and we are currently working on two more decks. Um, We wrote a book together, and I just signed a contract with Hay House to write two books of my own. So um, I think that the world has embraced this new vision of Tarot very closely. Angel Tarot cards is Pretty much the the number two most successful Tarot deck on the planet right now. People still go to Rider Waite, and that's cool, and that's great, but we want to show people that it doesn't have to be dripping in blood. Right.
1: Can you describe the Oracle deck
2: at all? Oh, sure. Um, The Oracle card deck we created was called Angel Answers Oracle Cards. And sometimes a deck comes out of um, Doreen and I's travels or us teaching seminars. And for three years, we were on the road constantly teaching together uh, before she retired. And um, one of the things that we noticed that people were wanting was really simple answers. They didn't, they didn't, want this, they didn't care about the symbolism. They just wanted yes or no. They wanted, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, they wanted an answer to a question like, when will this happen? And they wanted the answer to be next week. They wanted it to be really simple. And so we kind of came up with this idea of, you know what that's like? It's like that magic eight ball. Remember the magic eight ball where you'd shake it and you'd (laughs) get yes (laughs) or no or try again later? (laughs) And so we created Angel Answer Oracle Cards, and it's like the magic eight ball of Oracle Cards. It's just very clear, specific answers.
0: Great. And, and hey, congratulations on, you know, getting picked up through Hay House for these two new books that are coming out um, that you're going to be writing. Can we get a little uh, sneak peek of what you're thinking? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, one of them is about having a magical life, which will shock nobody who knows me. And the other one is about taking the fear out of spirituality. And that's about all I can say.
0: Nice they both sound like really great topics. And, you know, speaking about, you know, the magic in life, you also have your own radio show through Hay House Radio.
2: I do. Hay House has been really, really amazing and wonderful to me. They really have. They, they travel me all over the place. I've spoken at a million I can do it. And and I'm starting to speak at angel events in Europe called Angle Congress and the Angel World Summit. And and Hay House has just been awesome. And one of the things they did was they gave me a radio show back in uh, December of 2013. Um, I would tell you what my response is, but it would break your speakers because it was kind of like a big Thirteen-year-old girl squeal, <laughs> which I'm perfectly <laughs> capable of doing, <laughs> and um, and it was just it's just been awesome. But yes, I have a radio show. It's called um, Magical Things with Radley Valentine. It's every Thursday at two p.m. Pacific, and I talk for about fifteen minutes, and then I do readings for people, and I do readings for people on my Facebook page. And I do readings over the phone because the phone lines always fill up within like five seconds and, and there's only 10 phone lines. And so what I did to, to balance that is I create this little post on my Facebook page that allows people to ask questions over there if they weren't one of the 10 lucky people who got on the phones. Um, but we talk about how to have a magical life. Uh, we talk about tarot. We talk about angels. Sometimes we talk about both. Um, but it's a real joy to have that show because I get to teach. And in the end, April, it's like teaching is the main thing I care about. That's mm-hmm. that's what I love. I love creating cards. I love writing books. But in the end, I want to teach. I want to be on uh, in front of people explaining to them why their life is magic, even if they don't know it at the moment. And how to get in touch with that? That's what really, really, really makes me happy. Great. Now,
1: with you know your expertise in, in tarot, um, uh-huh. have you had any sessions that you came away surprised or shocked or? Sure, there was probably a dozen in the you know the early days, but you know even now, after so many years of doing this
2: um yeah, I mean there's there's been there have been some pretty surprising things um, um in 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 multiple ways. Um, for example, back when I had been outed <laughs> as doing readings, I had an employee, best employee I ever had came into my office and she said, "I'm trying to get pregnant. I cannot get pregnant. I can't get pregnant. Why am I not pregnant? When am I going to get pregnant?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know some some of your listeners will know when you are wanting to get pregnant and you feel like you can't get pregnant. That is a very distressing thing, and and so I pulled a card for for Suzanne and I, I looked at her and said, "You are pregnant." And she said, "No, I'm not pregnant. I took a test last night." And I'm like, "I don't care. Take a test tonight. Go home. Take a test. You're pregnant." And she went home. She took a test. She came in the next morning and walked in and went, ta-da, I'm pregnant. Wow. <laughs> and, and the thing that was amazing about that in a way is that the card that I pulled really had nothing to do with pregnancy. But it's that's part of the magic. That's part of the intuition. The card that I pulled had this treasure chest and it was wrapped with a blue ribbon. And to me, it was like, what is the biggest treasure that Suzanne could have? Right. It would be to have a baby. And it was wrapped in a blue ribbon. And I told her, it's like, it's a boy, after I asked her if she wanted to know. And uh-huh. nine months later, it was she had a little boy. And, and so that's one of the things that I think is, is really amazing and magical. I did a reading for a woman one time who – she wanted to know um, what was going on with her career. And I'm like, you're, you know, you're moving to Chicago. And she's like, I'm not moving to Chicago, Radley. I live in Denver. I love it in Denver. I'm not moving to Chicago. It's not going to happen. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just getting to Chicago. And she's like, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. And I'm like, OK, well, I, I can only give you what I'm getting. Uh, I got a phone call from her one year later. And she's like, guess where I'm calling you from? And it's like, Chicago? <laughs> and, and so amazing things can happen um, with the cards. But I've also been shocked by the cards from the standpoint of, Doreen and I have this concept that we created, it's, and it's called blah. Okay? Blah. B-L-A-H. Blah. And be loving and helpful. But what we're basically saying is, don't think. Don't think when you're doing a reading for somebody, stay out of the way. Keep your ego out of the way. Whatever comes to you, just bleh it out. And that's going to be right. And there have been times when people have come to me for a reading and it's, it, you know, my ego's wanting to say, no, you're out of your mind. That's not going to happen. You know, it, it's not going to happen. I, I just don't see that happening for you. And then I throw cards and the cards say, oh, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It is. And I always, always defer to my cards. Always. And even if this part of me says, I don't see how that's going to happen, I listen to my cards and I go, well, the cards say it's going to happen, so it is. And that never lets me down. Did that answer your question, Mike?
1: Yeah, no, that was perfect. Thank you. Okay,
2: sure. Mm -hmm.
0: And I have a question, too. um, And this might even lead into maybe a couple of more personal stories from you. But are angels really real?
2: Or
0: are they metaphors for us?
2: No, angels are real. Angels okay. are totally real. Um, <laughs> I, um, um, a lot of people don't like to talk about their their guardian angels. I don't know why. Um, I personally am trying to make my primary guardian angel, whose name is Joshua, I'm trying to make him a celebrity, <laughs> 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 just because I, just because I want to, and because it entertains him. But, um. M- Guardian angels are real. They're messengers from God. Now, we might not see them or feel them in our lives because um one of the things that people don't know about me is I'm I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm I am I'm a sci-fi geek. I admit it. I you know. And so, in Star Trek there's this thing called the Prime Directive and it means you cannot interfere without being asked. Well, the angels have a prime directive. And and unless it is a matter of life and death, angels are not going to interfere in your life. They're not going to come in and help you get what you want or help you heal or grow or or whatever it is that you're needing from them unless you ask them for assistance. And um, I first... First, really, really, really got in sync with Joshua. And I've only told this story one time before, but so you're only the second time I've heard this told this story. But um, the first time I ever heard Joshua's voice was I was 21 and um, I had just had my first major relationship and it broke up. And I was devastated. I mean devastated. I was a mess. And I was just I was just certain that no one was ever going to love me again. <laughs> you know, that silly stuff you think when you're 21 and you just broke up. And and I remember being outside my mom's house and I was I was I was hiding so that I could sob uncontrollably. (laughs) No one would know. And I remember laying my head down onto the hood of my mother's car, and the tears were just pouring out of my face. And I heard as clear as a bell, you will not be alone. And it was as though someone had said it. In fact, I I, I looked up to go, who said that? And it was clear as a bell. And, 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 Of course, I didn't, I wasn't instantly like over my ex, but what I was, was I was okay. In that moment, I was okay. The tears completely stopped. The, the, the sorrow, the agony went away and I still would have to heal, but it's like, oh, okay. And that was the first time I really heard Joshua's voice and, over the years, I got to know him better and better and better. I I was living in a house, and and I was really into my spirituality. And a friend of mine, you know, I, I felt like I kept bumping into something in the house, and I was starting to think I'd bought a haunted house. Fabulous, great. And my <laughs> friend was like, "What makes you think it's something scary?" And I and, and I was like, "Oh," and she was like, "Don't you're really into angels, right? Probably it's an angel." And I was like, "Hmm." And so I went and I sat down in front of my favorite picture of an angel that still hangs on my wall behind me. And I said, you know what? You seem to know me, but I don't know you. I'd like to know who you are. Let's start with your name. And I heard clear as a bell, Joshua. And I was like, okay, that's enough for today. (laughs) (laughs) We'll work on this more tomorrow. But it's like by inviting him in, by acknowledging him, by asking for his assistance, you suddenly the signs become unbelievable. You know, it becomes even to somebody who's had a logical life like I did at that point – You can't deny the signs. You can't deny the things that happen. You can't deny the messages that you get. You start to tune into that voice and you start to believe. You start to realize this is real. This is real. And I truly believe, if you'll let me blab on just one more moment, April, it's like I believe that angels speak to us in the way in which we can hear. And and so, I, I, I'm very open about things about my life, but I grew up, you know, in the South, gay, part Cherokee, a psychic. You just can't get any weirder than that. I mean, that in the South, that makes you the weirdest kid in school. And, <laughs> and so, what did I want more than anything at that time? I wanted... I wanted a big brother who would protect me. That's what I wanted. And so Joshua appears to me as an older brother. He he makes fun of me. He gives me nookies on the top of my head. I, I can feel them when he's doing it. And but in in my family, laughter was currency. We we teased each other. So he comes to me in this vision of this teasing, loving, adoring older brother because that's what I needed in order to be able to hear my angels. Other people would hate that. Probably people with older brothers would hate that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't want that. You know, they want a soft, sweet angel that looks like their grandmother or they want whatever they want, an angel with a blazing sword so that they feel safe, whatever they want. But I think the angels appear to us and present themselves to us in a way in which we can feel safe in order to connect with them. I hope that answered your question. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I'm sure you probably get this question a lot with your workshops and maybe people who are new to angels and being introduced to this concept. and uh-huh. Or even maybe some people that have believed for a long, long time and have their angel decks and talked to mm-hmm. them but haven't heard them, hasn't seen them, you know, is feeling like, I just, I just want to get a sign. From my angel, and um, can you give people who are starting out on this journey? You know, is there a process where people can begin to maybe be a little more open, tap into the angelic realm, and receive a message or feel like that they really know that that was coming from an angel?
2: Sure. Um, I like signs a lot. Um, so let me back up just a little bit and say that under normal circumstances, I don't hear Joshua clear as a bell. I don't. I am somewhat clairaudient. That is the hearing part, but mostly I'm cognizant. It means I just know stuff. Clairvoyant is a very famous term. People want to see. But 99% of the people who are clairvoyant don't actually see. They see with their mind's eye. All right? And so I think a lot of people who are saying, I just want to see my angels or I just want to hear my angels, they may be expecting too much. And what they need to do is go within so that they can see with their mind's eye or hear with their mind's eye. Another thing that I like is signs. So you can tell your angels, it's like, okay, I need a sign today, just any old sign. And they might come upon a white feather or pennies or butterflies or signs of angels. But um, one of the things that I really like a lot of the times, people who are having difficulty connecting with their angels, it's because they're very um, left brained, they're very analytical and they're having trouble popping out of that to move to the other side of their brain, which is more creative and more intuitive. And so there's this thing that Doreen Virtue created called angel numbers. And it's a really, really great way for people who are very analytical to, to start to communicate with their angels. And it. Angel numbers work like this. Let's say you get up in the morning, you wake up in the morning and you roll over and your clock says it's 4.44 a.m. And so you get up that morning and so you get out of bed and you get in your car and the license plate of the car in front of you says 4.44. And then you get to the coffee shop and you buy a tea and it costs $4.44. And the next time you notice the clock, it's 4.44 p.m. That's a message, 4.44. And Doreen has a book called Angel Numbers 101 that goes through all these numbers from 0 to 999 and tells you what that angel message is. 4.44 would mean your angels are with you. I woke up this morning at 4.44 And I just laugh anymore. I mean, now I just laugh. It's like, it's great to know my angels are with me. But when I see 444, I just laugh and go, yeah, I know, guys. Thank you. But that's a really great way for people to communicate with their angels who are very analytical and having a a difficulty popping into the intuitive side of them.
0: Great. Thank you.
2: Sure. Sure and with with the numbers do you get
1: uh you've probably been asked this too at uh workshops, but the uh, eleven uh especially like the mm-hmm. eleven eleven uh, <laughs> right what yeah you know what the angel number for that is
2: well, yeah, one 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 or one one or one 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 or eleven or eleven. Or 1111, what that's basically saying is, you are manifesting the path that you want right now. You are a manifesting machine, and it says, stay out of fear. Don't go to fear. Stay in faith. Believe. Stay in trust. Trust that everything is going to be okay because you're manifesting your reality right now. Manifest the reality you want.
1: Okay. Yeah, because we get that uh, constantly.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure you do. Why did you choose path eleven?
0: Well, exactly for one of that.
2: That's one one of the reasons. Yeah. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. You're helping people manifest their dreams.
0: Yeah, we had a lot of just synchronicities with the number eleven, like in numerology. Mike's um, path number is eleven. Mine is nine, but I was born at 111 when we started working on our documentaries. We lived 11 miles apart. We would constantly be <laughs> catching the clock at 111, 1111. 11. I mean, everywhere you turn, you know, that was coming up. We just uh, took a trip and we were traveling. And, uh, you know, on the GPS, your arrival time, 111, you know, we, we were just laughing about it. And so whenever we see 111, 1111 11, or the number 11, it's almost just like, yeah. You guys are on the right track. Keep going. Keep going. Just validation here.
2: You're on the right path. <laughs> and, and, and it makes sense for what you do because what do you do? You educate. What does educating do when done in a spiritual way? It takes the fear out of things and it helps people to manifest the life that they want. So, Path 11 is perfect for you.
0: Exactly. Wonderful. Well, it was really great to have you on our show, and you're more invite more than welcome to come back. We'd love to invite you back once these books are out, and if you would like to, you know, talk more about them and let our listeners know more of the content. You teased us; we just got a little little bites
2: <laughs> of what you're going to be putting out
0: there. But um, you know, would you like to let people know where they can find you and uh, you know attend some of your workshops? And if you have anything coming up in the month of December here, um, you know, feel free to let people know.
2: Sure. Um, uh, first of all, you can find me at RadleyValentine.com. Uh, you can find me at Facebook.com slash RadleyValentine. You can find me on Instagram at at sign RadleyValentine. Um, those are the main places I hang out. Um I usually take December off, so I won't be teaching in December. My next uh, thing that I'm teaching is I'm going to be at the I Can Do It event in Seattle, Washington. Um, Hay House very cleverly decided it was a good idea for Radley Valentine to speak about romance on Valentine's Day. So I will be speaking on February 14th about um, how to work with the angels to heal or find your perfect soulmate relationship. And that'll be in Seattle. And then I'm going to be Um, I've I've basically been doing about 25 events a year for the last three years. And so I'm taking a little bit of a break the first part of 2016 because I have two books to write and two card decks to create. But then in June, I will start traveling again and I'll be all over Europe um, and um, and other places in the United States um, in the fall. Oh, and I should also say, Doreen and I are relaunching our Certified Angel Card Reader course. And so if you go to my Facebook page, you'll find free videos of Doreen and I um, talking about how to do angel card readings. And that will that's leading up to the, re, the new Certified Angel Card Reader Course video that is greatly enhanced with lots more information. Uh, we filmed all of that last June, and that's coming out um, in about a week.
0: Excellent. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Radley. This was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed this interview, and we hope that you come back.
2: Thank you, April and Mike. I'd be happy to.
0: If you'd like more information about our films or to purchase our DVDs, you can head on over to our website at thepassseries.com. They're also available to purchase on amazon.com.
1: Our films are also streaming online at vimeo.com, guyamtv.com, and iTunes.
0: If you have a show suggestion or would like us to interview someone specifically, please feel free to shoot us an email at infothepastseries.com at or send us a tweet at the Past Series.
1: Please rate and review us in iTunes and subscribe.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show.